BDFM. This is BDFM. Solstice. Hear those This is going to come blowing. out after Solstice, but it is. In the dead of January, probably, this episode will be coming out. But we're uh, recording it on Solstice. I'm D. I am B. It's we're here. It's the winter. The dead of winter. It's the death of the Northern Hemisphere. Today is. It's the ritual death of the nor- northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We and we I celebrate. Did say sphere, not spear. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, yes, we we take the time to remember that the Earth turns towards death and away from life. The shit. The Earth. And the then earth turns, the north. Just the top of the Earth turns to <laughs> shit. Today is act. It, it's also the summer solstice in. Summer solstice mm-hmm. in Australia and Chile and Patagonia mm-hmm. and uh, the Madagascar, Cape of Good Hope and <laughs> uh, Cape Fear, Cape Town, South Africa. Welcome to BFM. We're going to each choose an episode of television to mm-hmm. present to the other on a palette like a. King Solomon's head, or whatever somebody's head to King Solomon, whatever that story was. Something, a head Something on about a, a head on a platter and a king. Um, we're each going to suggest an episode, and then uh, we will summarize the episode for you here, and then we're just going to kind of like talk about shit, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the, whatever these uh, these old episodes from our past have dredged up in us. Sometimes we have an idea about something we want to talk about and we think I know there's a good old episode of TV I've seen that I can bring up this uh, that I can use to bring up this topic other times sometimes we think (laughs) of an episode that we're like oh I just want to see that episode again absolutely so good and um, my suspicion is and those are where that's where we are today we have yeah but we usually find something rich in the depths of <laughs> of those episodes too. Well, uh, you, yeah, you want to throw us yours first? Sure. Mine, uh, my episode today is the third episode of the first season of a little show called Spaced. Spaced! Exclamation point! Spaced! You have to say it in italics. Spaced! Spaced um, and Edgar uh, Wright, uh, Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. This episode, Catherine, is her name Catherine McPhee or something? Um, I may be wrong. Uh, you're probably right. Uh, such a great show from BBC England. Mm-hmm. Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, who was then Jessica, Jessica. Stevenson. Um, Jessica Stevenson, thank you. Uh, Kevin, she, there's a Kevin Jessica. <laughs> yeah, Simon and Jessica wrote this episode, which is called Art. Mm-hmm. Directed by Edgar Wright, like you said. Uh, it first aired on October 8th, 1999. This is uh, 10,000 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Possible. Maybe we have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today in the year uh, 19. No. But 19, when. Uh, plus 123. But when uh, 
when all of Amazon's servers are inexplicably destroyed, uh, podcasts will be the only way to rebuild the human brain through AI. So yeah, the a- this somebody actually will be might just be teaching the AI how to uh, sound like a cool smart stoner, like <laughs> how to sound like one of those people in college that read a lot <laughs> and got good grades, but was a little weird. Uh, For sure, we should be able to feed our episodes to an AI and have them generate things we would say. We should be able to feed now. an AI our just the episodes we've already done. Plus, give them some episodes of TV to watch <laughs> and then have them respond in character as us. Yeah. I mean, well, I've been screaming into the uh, the internet abyss for 25 years now that it should know. It should at least know, you know, my wants, my desires, you know, mm-hmm. my, my affectations. And my episode, also just sort of um, one of those great shows that was sort of underlooked from the past that i wanted to revisit and it's on hbo max and i'm picking season two episode three of bored to death has ted danson in one of his best roles and that's saying a lot because Mm -hmm. he did becker (laughs) (laughs) um zach galifianakis who we saw as baskets recently but this is a, a totally different character showing Zach's range from fat loser clown to fat loser right, uh, comic book writer. <laughs> um, so, sorry, not to be, uh, not to body shame uh, fat guys. <laughs> I can say it because I'm a fat guy and a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I can call him a loser because I'm a loser. The nice. uh, episode is called The Guanas Canal Has Gonorrhea. <laughs> Explanation point. Again, you have to say it. <laughs> gonorrhea um do you remember that the the guanas was tested for gonorrhea that was a big thing uh i i've just looked up the guanas which is a crick in new york <laughs> yeah that's all kinds of dirty it's really disgusting it's a super fun site canal it mm-hmm. was industrially ravaged there, there's a podcast i listened to with sam cedar and the majority report mm. and uh he starts every episode saying we're, we're coming to you from the heartland of america brooklyn Right next to the industrial <laughs> ravaged. How does he say that every day? Industrially ravaged <laughs> Gowanus Canal. Oof. Um, it's dirty. It's gross. They, it got. To, it, they tested it for the. Is it a virus or bacteria? Gonorrhea. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a joke. It, it was yeah. definitely like a, in the in the the uh, tens in uh, the right. aughts. It was sort of a joke in New York. It was sort of ripped we, from the headlines. Back. Back when I was uh, in my avant-garde, um, off-Broadway, <laughs> one-man show, I just wore a wife beater, you know, and just like because I wanted to be like the most plain, like blue-collar guy I could be, you know, and just sort of tell my story. <laughs> never got picked up. I don't know why. Um, no, I've never lived in New York. <laughs> have you? I never have, personally. Have you been I've to New been- York? I've been to New York a couple. T- uh, I love New York. I say a couple times. I think I want to say maybe twice. So spaced and bored to death. These should be two funny episodes of two funny shows. Um, I love bored to death. It's more of a. Um, I always think it's like a forty-five minute show. It's not the. It's a half hour. Yep. And. Um, this is a good twenty-six forty-seven. This episode. Mm-hmm. 
It's really funny. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're going to watch Born to Death first. These are both, what, what did we say? Bo- both of these shows are helmed by sort of aimless white guys, uh, but men, men who are boys who are trying to be men, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, there's definitely um, this this couple of episodes might lead us into some explorations of the meaning of masculinity. There's oh, a lot. There's a lot. I can't wait to learn what it means. Did you get <laughs> Did you get goosebumps when I said that? <laughs> Are you gonna finally tell me the secret to masculinity? <laughs> the secret. That and a pair of testicles. That was the dude. You're joking, but perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. We're going to go watch those two episodes. If you would like to join us, you can join our Patreon. We would love to have you on the Patreon. Or you can subscribe to Garage TV, the app on iOS and Android, garage.tv. That's, That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV. And if you do any of those things, you can do the watch-alongs with us where we watch the show and you can listen to us watch it. Um, why would you want to do that? Because we might kiss. <laughs> um, no it's because we both have infectious laughs oh and when you said infectious after uh, i said kiss i was thinking we both have something terrible like gonorrhea perfect segue here we go we're gonna go watch this episode but if you don't want to pay us money you can just keep listening and we'll give you a, a summary of the episodes when we can't get back Bye. it's true okay okay then feel free to just Remember your own memories of these episodes if you've ever seen them or just let it go. The cold winter wind is blowing. This episode was brought to you by Big Deborah's Adult Snack Cakes. Do you do you hearken back to your youth and when you would spring out of bed and, and, and take a stick? to an old rim from a bicycle and run it down the road because that was the only thing the entertainment that you had and you would eat little debbie snack cakes for breakfast well now that you're old and fat as shit you can't eat little debbie snack cakes anymore but you can eat big deborah's adult snack cakes the difference the difference between little debbie's classic snack cakes and big deborah's big adult snack cakes you ask well, it's no carbs, no uh, artificial sweeteners, no uh, no amino acids, <laughs> no salt, no vitamins, no minerals, uh, no no gluten, mm-hmm. uh, no no uh, dairy products. Mm-hmm. That's no right. No nuts. No uh, nut butters. That's right. With no, this new no seeds, with this new Debbie patented technology, we are bringing you these snack no, cakes in 100% holographic form. They're just light. <laughs> they're just light. It, but with it, the shape, it doesn't fill you up at with, all. With to the, be honest, with the beautiful shape, size, and color, you remember of a, a perfect looking little Debbie's a really snack good cake. picture of a snack cake. We'll send you one a month in a box. <laughs> Now and I you can return the ones that you don't pretend to eat. Don't buy. Don't buy this product. Sign up. It sucks. Sign up today.
There's no M. <laughs> you can invent one. And we're back. We're back. We watched Bored to Death and we watched Spaced. Spaced to Death. We were just spaced to death with mm-hmm. Bored. Yeah, yeah. Spaced. Episode one, uh, se- season one, episode three. Yeah. Was your pick. Um, so in case you don't remember this episode or you didn't go and watch it, this is the one where the gang goes out together to an art show. Basically, Tim and Daisy, who are living in an apartment, pretending to be a couple because they believe that their landlady has to, that they have to be a couple in order to rent them to be a couple, um, which was just a misunderstanding. But you it, don't yeah, learn was, that until season two, I think. It's true. The ad in the paper said they were supposed to be a couple to get this apartment, so they're uh, they're trying to pretend to be a couple. And there's a weirdo artist who lives in the basement apartment. So this um, is a frenzy show, which it's. It's it's four mm-hmm. people that live in this house. Oh, I thought you meant this is a frenzy show. Frenzy. It's a this frenzy show. This is a frenzy show. show. And what that means no. is that... It's a Seinfeld slash Friends slash mm-hmm. uh, 227 slash Martin Yeah, kind it's of people show. in apartments walking into and out of each other's apartments. apartments. Living single. Living single. So um, Tim and Daisy live together. Brian mm-hmm. lives in, is the artist who lives in the basement. Marsha is the landlord. Twist wasn't in this episode, Twist wasn't but in she's this episode. really cute. She's uh, like the best friend slash enemy of Daisy. And then uh, Nick Frost, who's sort of the uh, the Dwight Schrute kind of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brian, the artist, receives an invitation to the art opening of an ex of his, and uh, an ex an ex art partner as well as an ex lover. It's implied. It's I implied. Um, and Brian says. You know, you, you probably won't want to hear, you know, it's hard to listen to a love affair. The story of a love affair between two straight men, one of whom is also the most divine woman on earth. Um, <laughs> so Vulva is the name of his ex-partner. And uh, and this person is some early non-binary representation, I would say. Maybe not intentionally. Yeah, um, 99. Well, I mean... I mean, was, yeah, like, like they're described... We knew trans people and non-binary people existed in 1999. But totally. they weren't on TV much. Yeah. Um, um, so she is usually the pronoun that, that Vulva is referred to with. Um, real name Ian, he says. Real name Ian. And there's, there's, um. Which you're not, I guess, he dead names her right in the first act, but, um. True. Although, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a Vulva is kind of post, post-sexual or something. Vulva yeah. is kind of an, kind of pan-gender. They're just sort um, of, yeah. Yeah. Just there are, there are, queer. interestingly, there are trans characters in both shows, both of these episodes that we picked today and mm-hmm. transphobic slurs are used in both episodes as well. So just as a warning, if you guys are going to. Yeah, because we're going to drop the T-bomb like crazy this hour. No, uh, um, sure. we, we hear the um, the slur on both shows, but not intended as a slur in either show. No, um, meaning the, no, the, characters, the characters, it's like characters. friendly yeah. use the term f- in a friendly way with uh people around them so well actually i would say much more common i actually think it's it is used hurtfully in both contexts but it's just that they have the characters who use it are saying it towards another person who then says no you're wrong and actually here's why this person is fine or whatever like in, in one case this guy is making fun of his friend for being attracted to trans women obviously that's he's talking about how his his sexuality is yeah, like he oh, like, he's, oh yeah, he's dismissive. He says, "Oh, you're oh, yeah. it's a tranny," and and he and he says, Brian says, "Oh no, so much more than that." Yeah, 
So and in the other show, yeah, the guys calling the other guy a chaser, etc. Okay. So yeah, I don't know, but anyway, I just think it's it is a little it's a little. Oh, Jim Mort- Norton. Okay, I yeah, thought Jim you were Norton. talking about we had a trans representative, uh, a drag king in. Um, yeah. The board to death episode, but also Jim Norton keeps saying that he is. Uh, he keeps implying that he's into trans uh, women. Yes. Which this I believe true. Jim Norton in real life is. Is he's open about that? He's open about being into trans women. Interesting. Yes. Oh. Um, yeah. So and there's a lot about I mean, there's there's a lot about uh, not only gender identity but like what it means to be a man like that that type of gender brian yeah. brian sort of you know he, he comes full circle and ends up saying like i'm a man i'm not a monkey <laughs> like i'm a man and it's not it's not he's comparing himself to vulva sort of like he's like down on himself for lacking the femininity that makes vulva like so interesting and dynamic yeah. but then he's like he thinks he doesn't know, measure up artistically or just yeah it boldly in life is yeah. it, to to Volvo's representation. But and meanwhile, while all this is going on, Tim is playing video games. Is playing zombie video games all, all night, night long. He's been sleeping. playing them all night because he took some cheap speed with his friend. Oh yeah, we um, see Daisy goes, "Where's uh, Mike?" And we see Nick Frost just like speed running around a tree, <laughs> uh, just getting rid of his uh, cheap speed. Yeah, exactly. um, but but I guess we we glossed over. So so Brian's hanging out there, and he gets a letter. And there's this great scene where we see his eyes scan the letter back back and forth for like twenty seconds, and then the the reverse angle you just see the word come. The only thing on the the letter is just the word come, C O M E in in small type in the middle, and it's a black. It's like a black piece of paper with just one word. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately knows that it means Volva is doing an <laughs> yeah. a, uh, art performance. Yeah. So. And so Tim I'm and Daisy invite themselves along. Yeah. The, the, Daisy's they, had they, a bad day as well. Oh, yeah. So so Tim has spent the day playing video games, passing out, waking up, <laughs> coming to him, playing more video games. And he's getting increasingly freaked out and thinking zombies are all around mm-hmm. him. Daisy has spent the day going out for this job interview. And she takes a puff off of At, Tim's joint before going in and immediately goes she's got totally an interview it. For, to be a, a a columnist at it's basically Vogue magazine, but it's it's called uh, not Volvo. Where did I put it? Flaps. Flaps magazine, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, it's basically like a Vogue or L and she's way out of her depth. Like mm-hmm. these women are like the women interviewing her are like these no nonsense fashion icons that are dressed head to toe in like the yeah the you know versace suits and you know yeah fancy. they're like hard femme like like so uh intense they're and they're girl bosses dominant. as mm-hmm. the, the term goes now and daisy's stoned off her head and just way <laughs> out of her element and she just what fails through her? the job interview so oh, badly they ask, they, they ask her um uh do you consider yourself a post-feminist? And she's like, what? And and then the lady goes, let me put it another way. Do you drink beer or a sh- or Do you drink or pints shots? or shots? Do you drink pints or shots? And then the woman <laughs> meaning describe your feminism yeah. in sort of a weird, uh, funny way. But Daisy, not picking up the cue at all, just goes, oh, yeah, I like beer and shots and whiskey and tonic. And she's just like starts talking about booze and they're like next <laughs> yeah she has no shot she's 
she's she thinks she's a good writer. She just needs a chance she's to not, prove by it. The way. <laughs> They've never depicted her as actually talented in this show. So they all decide they're going to go along to the art show. They invite themselves along because Daisy's like, Tim, do you want to go? And he's like, no fucking way. And mm-hmm. then she goes, is there free booze? And Brian says, yes. And then they're both got their coats on. <laughs> yeah, Tim the, appears. Like one second. He walks out of on. frame saying, I'm not going. He's bareheaded. <laughs> and then as soon as there's free booze, he walks right back into frame with his hat on, his coat hat, on, his gloves. Coat, he's yeah. like, <laughs> Let's I'm go. ready. And they go and they drink. Mm-hmm copious free wine <laughs> yes they go to this this art opening and uh well it's not an art it's a performance uh it's a it's a the opening night of a yeah it's basically an avant-garde clown performance i would say it's very much like something you would see on baskets actually when he befriends the french avant-gardists <laughs> but um it's also much like some ultra art or whatever you call it that that would go to uh, in college, they you would mm-hmm. they would have these uh, events on campus that were basically, you know, people doing weird clown, and then they would get credit <laughs> in the drama department for it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, the performance is very it's very clownish. There's a lot of makeup and costumes, and it's sort of it's sort of circusy. There's two actors in it, mm-hmm. but Volva is also wearing like a World War One German helmet or something, sort and of like a military. And her Helmet co-performer and is wearing these thick glasses, like a like a watchmaker. Yeah, and this, her co-performer is this weird guy that Daisy chats up afterwards <laughs> after the performance, and he's so rude, and she thinks he's so brilliant, but he's just on stage. He's just going like, just they're so just they're kind of yelling one-liners <laughs> back and forth. Not even one-liners, just words. We're they're, meant to pick up that these performers are just pretentious shitbags, and they're mean. Mm-hmm. They're not nice to anyone, and they consider mm-hmm. themselves above everyone. But all the characters on the show kind of look up to them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like, <laughs> they're so cool. Yeah, Brian is riveted by the performance. He's he's enraptured. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's great. Um, and even Daisy, you know, she, Daisy's she's just trying. She's trying to, yeah, she's just thinking about what happened. Job. And um, Tim's just thinking about killing zombies while he's <laughs> watching the show. Yes. Yeah, He's he gets so intense about remembering killing zombies that he he's on the verge of hallucinating <laughs> when brian finally has the encounter with vulva that he's been thinking about he's been he was practicing in the mirror i love this scene earlier and I've, i always remember it um because of the what's for pudding line but <laughs> yeah there's a there's a sort of expectations versus reality scene it's like a lot like the scene in 500 days of summer where he imagines how he's going to go to her party and you know he's gonna mm. be like the last one at the party and they're gonna get back together and he's just gonna be like really charming all night oh yeah and instead he goes to the party and it, it so already we, sucks we no we one talks know to that him. yeah yeah Sorry. it's that it's that thing it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah it's so they we don't tell we the see. audience as soon as the thing's over we see brian just suave and cocky and just smooth walk up to volvo and be like hey how's it going and volvo's like oh it's great to see you and and they have this conversation where Brian's being all witty mm-hmm. and talking about how he's doing this uh, transformative multimedia art. And, and then Volva's like, wow, that sounds great. And then uh, Brian's like, you should see what's for pudding. <laughs> and they laugh. Oh, he says, it's, she goes, sounds delicious. Sounds delicious. And Brian goes, you should see what's for pudding. That's the pudding. perfect version. And then we rewind and we see how it really goes. Mm-hmm. And it is the same wording. But delivered Almost. so differently. So uh, the first one, Volva goes, 
Brian, you came. And then the second one, she goes, Brian, you came. She's like, oh, you ended up coming. And, she, and she's like, do you still, goes. are you still painting? Like, and then he's just like a multimedia. He's just stumbling. He says and some of the words he was thinking of saying, but he, we, they're disconnected. He just ends by going, pudding. And Bob was like, it's pudding. oh, you're so eccentric, Brian. And just uh, basically dismisses him. Yeah. it's And it's almost a worse interaction than just pure coldness or just being like, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. Like, get out of here. Instead, she's like, she's like, you must know that I've moved on. Like this new stuff I'm doing with this, this oh, guy so is mean. so much better and, and more the best stuff I've ever she's done. Like, I, can't I can't believe this believe. shit I used to do with you. Yeah. It's so mean. Really mean. But then Tim fully into his <laughs> zombie uh-huh. fantasy and insomnia at this point. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Punches Volva in the face. Yeah, he, he takes just a, walks he takes up, a swinging. clocks Volva. She goes down like a sack <laughs> of bricks, and then Tim proceeds to gather up all of his friends and like herd them out of the the party, mm-hmm. screaming like, "We have to go!" As you seeing all of these people, all all of these extras dressed as zombies stumbling around the party, as Marsha's like, "Bye, I'll <laughs> see you at home." <laughs> he leaves Marsha. He's like, "Ah!" He doesn't screaming. really care about Marsha. <laughs> Uh, Simon Pegg is really good at just screaming in fear. He's <laughs> running away and screaming in fear. He's always so funny. Yeah. He's very emotionally vulnerable. He's very open. He does actor. the same bit in Mission Impossible 5 coming out 2023. <laughs> and then they get home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get home and uh, everyone's exhausted. And Tim finally gonna... sleeps. He just passes out because he hasn't slept a whole. Yeah episode until now but now that he punched somebody and got a bunch yes. of free booze so as tim is passed out and uh daisy and brian are talking and brian's like it, beautiful it was beautiful and she's like yeah and he's like i could never do something like that and she's like oh you probably could if you know and he's like no like just a just a right cross on the face or something and he's, oh, right. he's, he's describing how he's like talk about like expression like what what tim did for me is just being like, you know, instead of all the talk. He you considers know. himself an artist that's so real and in the moment, but mm-hmm. he realized that he was so in his head yeah. in that moment, and Tim was the one that was being more real. Yeah. And Although the, the being drunk and tired and punching someone at a party is not, <laughs> Yes. should be. <laughs> it's not necessarily <laughs> heroic. Real, real but life, yeah. but yeah, it was funny. Yeah, so then. Um, Brian says, what truer expression is there but the purity of the clenched fist? Mm. Um, which I don't know if I I don't agree with that moral but it was kind of a funny that's uh, great summary yeah then uh, in the morning Tim and Daisy are awake she receives a letter from Flaps magazine and she's about to open it she's like maybe they maybe they are gonna hire me and you know I'm just gonna be the kooky one and she has a whole fantasy really quick she has a quick fantasy like about what it's gonna be like expectations <laughs> versus reality and she opens the letter she freaks out she gets she goes look crazy well, it's pure yeah yeah, it's but the, it's a rejection letter, of course. Um, but we have to say that there, this is the bit where Amazon Prime it was messing with the the end of the episode, which you may find Amazon if you do try Prime, to if you if try to rewatch it. If you're listening, Ms. Amazon Prime, uh, how about letting us watch the button on the show before starting the next episode? Because in this case, the button on the end is well. Daisy freaks out and says, "Rabbits, rabbits!" And she's like, well, she's like freaking out before, but we she can't. When she's on she the couch can't with him. find a job, so she goes, oh, maybe I could do what we yeah. saw in the theater. So she does her own version of a theater, a clowning avant-garde show. Yeah. 
and it's so bad. <laughs> well, it's it's her, um, and she's ripping up her rejection letter, and she's quoting from it, and she's going, thank you for coming in. It was very useful. And she's, like, <laughs> ripping it up, and she's going, rabbits, rabbits. But what was so funny to me was you were like, it almost shows us, like, that the one we saw earlier actually was kind of better and i was like oh i thought the joke was like she just offhandedly managed to do one that was was actually a lot better like i thought hers was a lot more meaningful (laughs) because you could see how hers was derivative of the original one which was already kind of bad she was just doing what they were doing which was was yelling words kind of aping them more than anything Um, that's true i thought it made a little more sense but (laughs) yeah oh i forgot what vulva ended their show like a like a real asshole um (laughs) They bowed, and then people started clapping, and then she goes, I'm not finished. No, she goes, it's not finished. And everybody gets quiet, and then she goes, it's finished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind very, of Python. I it's British. feel happy. <laughs> it's finished. <laughs> oh, man. And I love Marsha's accent in this. I don't, I don't know if she's Welsh or something, or if that's a, a London... A, regional accent but she, she just talks like just marp um, yeah but she's got her her she kind of doesn't she's always got her mouth cigarette in her mouth great show it was a great one uh would you like to summarize bored to death okay this is called the goannas canal is gonorrhea and we open on uh ted danson has stage two prostate cancer ted danson uh is at his doctor who's a woman who's been in a lot of stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. remember her name. She tells him that you have stage two prostate cancer. Did mm-hmm. you find their name? I am looking for Kenwood Jessica Hecht. Oh, Jessica Hecht. Okay. He- she was he- in the credits. Hecht. She was on The Boys. Oh, oh really? She was also Susan on Friends. She's, oh, she's the woman, she's the woman that Ross's wife left him for. Oh. Uh, and in that one alternate universe episode, the woman they have a threesome with. That's the one. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So Ted Danson gets really freaked out, and then his oncologist hugs him, and then they start making out. They cut away. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. Let's see. Then we find uh, Jonathan, played by young Coppola. <laughs> Schwartzman. Um, Jason Schwartzman. With uh, his girlfriend, Jenny Slate. And um, speaking of trans people, we had a. They're at a show in uh, Brooklyn, uh, the host being a, a drag king, and the drag king brings on um, this artist, an actual artist from New York called Julie Atlas Muse, who's topless and puts and has a giant balloon in her hand, like a human-sized balloon in mm-hmm. her hand, like a five-and-a-half-foot-tall balloon. Uh-huh. And then she proceeds to put herself in the balloon, and it's semi transparent so you can see her and she's sort of doing this wavy dance in the balloon and blowing kisses and stuff (laughs) meanwhile jenny slate reveals to jonathan that she wants to break up the reason is in the previous episode they decided to have a threesome Mm -hmm. with her ex jenny slate's ex is uh josh gad played by josh Uh. gad he has a threesome with jenny slate and josh gad and then now jenny slate's character wants to she says, our polyamory experiment isn't working. I want to go back to monogamy. And he's like, oh, good. And she's like, oh, no, I didn't mean you. <laughs> so she picks the other guy, um, who's who's her like longtime college mm-hmm. boyfriend. So 
she goes back to him she dumps him at this uh show and then as jonathan's leaving he is confronted by uh comedian jim nort and another dude and they kidnap him they throw a bag over his head and he yells wait you can't do this this neighborhood's been gentrified for years (laughs) and the next thing you know they they are hanging him by his ankles upside down over the Gowanus Canal. They take the hood up, off, and he looks up, and he goes, and his phone falls out of his pocket into the canal, and he goes, is that the Gowanus? Don't drop me. The Gowanus has gonorrhea, which was a real story. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this episode is from 2010? Yes. Okay. It's from 2010. And it was in 2007 that... Uh, gonorrhea was that it was it was reported that the canal has gonorrhea but that it no longer had typhoid or virulent cholera (laughs) no longer was it the post are you reading the post this is from this is an uh this no this is an article from curbed new york synthesizing some other oh i saw that in the post very i mean i'm not saying that but yeah so there's a lot of stuff from previous episodes if you're gonna watch Bored to Death, you should watch it from the beginning because it's kind of continuous. Each episode sort of picks up where the last one left off. Yeah, it's not. And it's not like a monster of the week. Uh, it's not. It's not so much a procedural. It's not a procedural. It's very narrative. What's, what's the opposite? It's a narrative. Um, yeah, and it's like well, I mean, you know, and it's about a you know, he's a he's a he is a detective, but he was a novelist, right? Considers a writer, or like he was an he was he, like a long. He had writer. one. He released one novel, and he says in this episode that he he. Uh, his second novel got rejected, and he has to return the advance, which he doesn't have, which sounds like that would suck. So he's And he's teaching at a community college, so he's sort of a failing writer. We didn't see uh, John Hodgman in this episode, but his rival, uh, his arch rival is John Hodgman, and they, <laughs> they go at it. But anyway, so Jonathan, in a previous episode, he, he broke into a uh, S&M dungeon where he dressed as a gimp with a black, you know, what we know is the gimp mask today mm-hmm. um and he stole all of their files from the dungeon and destroyed them now these guys who kidnapped mm-hmm. him this episode said that they wanted those files to blackmail people and now they're pissed yeah at him for stealing them and they say we want 20 grand to open a new dungeon in new jersey <laughs> and we're gonna kill you if you don't get it for us so they ask him do you do you, have any rich, do you have any rich friends? Do you have any rich friends? That's what they say, yeah. So he calls up he's Ted like, Nansen, I have, He's like, I only have up one. George. <laughs> George is always getting him out of scrapes. He, he's like the Danny DeVito from It's Always Sunny of this show. Is mm-hmm. George is always just like bailing them out. The fun of Bored to Death, the stakes are never high. Like, it, it's always kind of life and death, like detective stories. But you never really feel like they're in mortal danger, partially because... George has money and comes to the rescue, and partially mm-hmm. because everybody's sort of a cartoonish hipster take on a criminal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, even the kidnappers are familiar with, like, mm-hmm. news stories and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then the kidnappers end up being more vulnerable as the episode goes on. Yeah. So he he has come up with 20 grand. He calls George. George is now almost prone on the floor after smoking... Two huge uh, vaporizer bags of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And by the way, nobody has vaporizers anymore. I never see them at people's houses. They were kind of big, like yeah, like a big old-fashioned vaporizer. Mm-hmm. Years ago, fifteen years ago. 
Yeah, I knew a household that had one, but I knew a lot of people that had them. I don't. I could. I think everybody's gone back to uh, joints. Yeah, in L.A. So. Anyway, I don't know what y'all are doing in New York. Maybe so. Um, but babe, this one is called the volcano. Remember the volcano? You put a bag on it. Yes. Yeah. Sure. It fills the bag, and you get this giant popcorn-sized bag of weed, and you suck it in, and mm-hmm. it gets really high. So he's on two bags of weed. His phone rings. <laughs> Jonathan says, "Hey." You have to come to Ninth and Brooklyn. I think George probably lives in Manhattan. You have to come out to Ninth Street in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. the cement factory and give me twenty thousand in cash. And George is so high, he's like, "Okay, I'll put it in the mail tomorrow." <laughs> but anyway, he finally gets the message. So George, instead of paying the twenty grand, he mm-hmm. he swings it by and picks up their friend Zach Galifianakis, uh, Ray, mm-hmm. the cartooner, cartoonist. <laughs> Ray and George go to visit, what, what do they call him? Uh, George says, we have to go to Howard's to get outfitted. Howard is Patton Oswalt, mm-hmm. the conspiracy theorist of the show. And so they go to Howard's and he gives them rubber bullet gun and flash grenades. So like non-lethal weapons and some helmets and stuff. And he tells them, he does some hilarious Patton Oswalt riffing on uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, uh, theories. Uh, what was the theory you talked about? Anyway. Oh, Iran. Oh, we're in Ir- We're doing operations in Iran, and, and Zach goes, you mean Iraq? And he goes, something along the lines of watch the real news, Park Slope. Ray and George go to the cement factory. They get high outside. They decide to go in nine minutes early to have the element of surprise, and they immediately fuck up everything. I mean, they, they just, they're they're playing guns, and... Uh, George ends up firing a rubber bullet. It ricochets off a wall, breaks a window, and then hits Ray right in the forehead. So <laughs> the rest of the show, he has a giant, like, <laughs> target-shaped bruise right in his forehead, just an inch away from his eye. It's very um, dangerous. And then the kidnappers come outside, and then he got, Ray yells, throw a flash grenade. So he throws a flash grenade. The same exact thing happens. It bounces off the wall, comes back, it lands one foot away from George's <laughs> balls and they just both dive for cover <laughs> and it flashbangs and now oh the, now they're all tied up the kidnappers have all three of these boys of various ages tied up they threaten them we're gonna kill you so finally Jonathan's like okay I have somebody I can call so he calls his dad and his parents in <laughs> New Jersey all of them, all five of them, the two kidnappers and the three guys, rent a zip car and drive to New, Zer- <laughs> New Jersey, go to Jonathan's parents' house. His dad hands him a bag with 20, with, with not 20, with 20 hundred, with 2,000 <laughs> bucks in it, yeah. rather than what they wanted, which is 20,000. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's plenty. And the guy's like, uh, flashes his gun. And he's like, what are you going to do? broad daylight there's people everywhere yeah there's like a school bus <laughs> to which jim morton goes ah jersey it's too bright and we can't kill people here <laughs> and so they ride off and jim morton gives him the finger and goes new jersey sucks <laughs> so basically the bad guys are little boys too this show's definitely about like lost boys <laughs> yeah they're very much in some ways the kidnappers are sort of playing a, they're kind of playing at 
cops and robbers. They're playing at kidnapping. They kind of all are, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're all you know they're not really like they're not really killers. They're, they're not, not really, really vicious people. They're not really detectives. They're not really yeah. Not, they're all just playing. Yeah. At, um, and uh, how does it end? It ends with them having breakfast with Jonathan's mom, mm-hmm. and then we. It ends. Oh, it ends with the three of them in Jonathan's childhood bedroom. Yeah. Talking. Uh, speaking of being looking at little boys, they're like sitting together, stuff. and oh, then it, they about look. Comics. And then it it closes, and you see that. Well, they walk past the, the He's like, poster oh, of Marty have Feldman. He's like, "Oh, comics," and <laughs> yeah. like, "Do you want to borrow them?" And Ray's like, "Nah." Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you have this specific arc of the Avengers. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. And it ends, and the camera lingers on a poster of Marty Feldman, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the uh, <laughs> actor from Young Frankenstein. I guess to reveal that uh, Jonathan always had hipster <laughs> <laughs> leanings, even when he was a child. He was into uh, esoteric artists. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Great show. Good episode. I think, uh, yeah, both of these have to do with boys trying to, trying to boys to men. Boys to men. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the theme here. Yeah. And now we've come to the end of the road. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, they, the, uh, Jonathan is in some ways, um, he's like a little boy who is trying really hard. He's a boyish young man who's trying really hard to be to fit in with older people like well, the whole premise of the show is that he's sort of like trying to play an adult like sam spade kind of mm-hmm. he he's trying to play this character of what he thinks a sort of masculine adult is and you know never quite conforms to it and all his friends i'd venture that all of these uh main guys are you know they're metrosexual they're in touch with their feminine sides they're Mm -hmm. very like touchy-feely with each other and they talk Mm -hmm. about their feelings and emotions a lot it's very much about feminized men trying to act like it's not that like they're not but you know Mm. kind of coming it's not i I, that sort of sounds like a a right-wing leaning it's saying feminized men but but you know i never considered myself a you know manly man you know i just kind of Mm -hmm. grew up like these guys watching sci-fi and not really feeling manly and and there's that idea like especially when he he's a writer and he's sitting in you know cafes trying to write things and he feels like he hasn't really lived a life yet so he's trying to go out and mm-hmm. kind of scare up these yeah adventures yeah that's true whereas tim in spaced is um is a young man who is desperately trying to hold on to boyhood mm-hmm. all he wants to do is play video games um, he, the only reason he, you know, got up and got a flat with Daisy is because he was kicked out from his girlfriends and, you know, for not to smoking weed too much y- and yeah, playing video games. Yeah. Like not to, you know, I, obviously I love Tim. I think he's a great guy, you know, but, but it is, it is hard to imagine like just, just how entitled he could have been in that, in that relationship. Just, just how much uh, housework and emotional labor was that woman having yeah. to do at all times. It might have been a lot. It's not always pretty being a slacker. <laughs> I mean, both of these shows are about sort of the marijuana generation. It's Simon Pegg is, you know, squarely in the sort of Gen X or I guess late Gen X um, slacker dumb in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan, Sol- Jonathan, not Silverman, Jonathan's character in Bored to Death is sort of the 
millennial version of that mm-hmm. 10 years later. It's sort of, yeah, and it, it's it's like a vital interest in, um, in arts and culture, but no discernible skill, no marketable office skills, or even like no drive to be in an office job, which yeah. I understand completely. Yeah. Very much like that myself as a marijuana smoking, um, self-employed man who is un- incapable of working in offices. <laughs> uh, Simon Pegg was born in, oh wait, let me see when he was born. He's 52. Oh, oh, so he lied down. In in the show, he said he was born in seventy three. Oh yeah, he was born in nineteen seventy. Oh, he lied. He lied mm-hmm. his age down by three years. Oh, good <laughs> for you. That's how he got Mission Impossible. <laughs> they thought he was. They thought he was under fifty when he's actually over fifty. <laughs> yeah, he's almost my age. He's only a few years older than twenty. And uh, Jason Schwartzman is. Are you his age? He's older than you. He's. Mm. A little, a little older, between, yeah. He might be between us. He's 42, so he's between Exactly. Us. Between mm-hmm. our ages. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1980. You know what? Um, it wasn't in this episode, but w- I thought this episode was going to be the one, the one, the space, I thought the space episode was the one where Brian is going to put on an art show. He was asked to uh, display oh. his art in a gallery and he can't think of anything original, so he oh. has <laughs> he has a he has an art space, and all that has in it is a telephone on a small table. But that's not the art; that's just there. Mm-hmm. As a, that's just a telephone. And he he's on a ladder, and he's painting this wall red or something. And he loses balance and falls and hits his <laughs> head. I think he gets dizzy from the paint. He falls and hits his head. He knocks over the phone. The phone starts ringing, or gives the like the, the off the hook signal, and like ding, uh-huh. ding 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 ding, whatever that sound is. Yeah. And he's passed out the entire art show, <laughs> and everyone thinks it's the most amazing. <laughs> Remember that? He. <laughs> everyone comes and sees him, and he's, he's just, just <laughs> passed out in a pool of paint with a phone <laughs> off the hook, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, it's the deepest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's a, that's that's like a profound statement on death and art <laughs> and like, you know, like our intentions. Yeah, or a hilarious <laughs> statement about how um, art can be full of itself yes. and not mean anything. People can read meaning into art that's not there, which uh, brings us to clowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of meaning that's not there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, you know, when we see when we see Vulva's art performance, it's very like. I think pretty meaningless. They're We're just yelling words. <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And, it, and they're not she's, fact, they're not they saying like they're just they're 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 just yelling random words with no association. And, you know, it's supposed to make fun of this idea. They're not it's yeah. not like they're going like love, death, you know, they're not they're not saying big concepts. They're just saying really random. Or are they? <laughs> um, oh, if you go back and look, they're actually But like I said, there's like there's like a method to it where you can see that Volva is doing it right. And you can see <laughs> that uh, it's produced. The lighting, Daisy is the lighting just doing it and... wrong. <laughs> Somehow the, you could see that Daisy's derivative of the other one, even though they both seem like nonsense. It, it's like that um, George O'Keefe painting that I brought up last time 
we were talking about art on this show mm-hmm. two blue lines it's like in context like i when i saw it as a kid i was like i could do that therefore she's is she trying to get something over on us like is she mm-hmm. trying to trick us mm-hmm. but in another sense she did it right and i wouldn't have done it right sure what she did her her blue lines mm-hmm. painting is electric and amazing and i've remembered it for 30 years so mm-hmm. it's actually a really good painting because it's stuck in my head but partially part of the reason it's stuck in my head is because i didn't get it mm-hmm. but then part of me not getting it is what actually made it have longevity yeah sure and there's Those always stuff about art that, like a painter will always tell you like oh no you don't understand like for her to even get that shade of the background she mm-hmm. spent 20 hours doing there's something you know like there's all this oh, sure. hidden stuff that we don't there was that a i piece, don't know enough about i don't remember the artist but there's a piece it's the museum in san francisco in the japanese tea gardens the the, the cronin hmm. uh the Cronen- cronenberg uh, tea gardens the, the cronenberg tea gardens the young <laughs> it's, it's d-e-y the de young museum there was a piece i went to the de young and it's got a lot of cool stuff um in san francisco one of the pieces I saw, though, and everybody was just walking by and kind of not paying attention to it because it, like the two blue lines thing, it looks like a ripoff, okay? It was it was two giant canvases that were about, say, 10 feet high and f- four feet wide, mm-hmm. okay? So rectangulars, rectangular, um, two rectangular canvases mm-hmm. painted just white just painted white they were just white Mm. and they were both outlined in blue with one thick blue line so to Mm. look at it the the artist didn't do anything Mm. except paint a blue line around the outside of these canvases and hang them up Mm -hmm. but then i sat down and i started to look at it it started to draw like when i stared at it it was almost like being on mushrooms like it was making my eyes like trip out and it was making me see all kinds of like things that weren't Mm -hmm. there like optical illusions like other lines like oh cool in and going in and out of the thing and i was just looking at it i was like is this painting alive what (laughs) is it and so it seems like oh on one perspective oh dumb idea this artist is tricking us by putting up basically nothing on the wall and signing it and on the other perspective is i sat down and i can't stop thinking about that painting because yeah it just made my yeah entire perception of reality start to like it was almost like being on drugs yeah we saw some paintings like that when we went to the museum i think it was at the broad you Uh you and i were like looking at some like it was like it it was very like lines in like triangle shapes and sort of things where it's just just looking at it is is yeah and it it actually is successfully giving you the illusion of like what it looks like to look at a pattern right when you're on acid or something feeling like oh i'm looking more deeply into this and it's kind of moving oh yeah um was that the artist that uses pieces of the simpsons faces in um these oh that was spectral cool patterns we saw that at the that was at la luz de, la luz jesus, de jesus uh museum on here um, in la near uh wacko, near right wacko. Next to wacko within wacko on hollywood boulevard yeah that was cool too yeah that was a really there's a really trippy artist uh who i can name check them Oh, it's on my wall. Yeah. I have it's a yeah, postcard it. of this artist no, on my wall. it just says Wizard Skull. Wizard Skull. I suppose that's the artist. 
info at laluzdejesus.com. Um, maybe Wizard Skull's the artist. This, this is a postcard of a painting of Bart Simpson hair and hands and eyes in in sort of a um, mm-hmm. montage that is crazy looking and makes you oh yeah wizard school oh, okay <laughs> so yeah wizard school is someone who does those kinds of like pop art mashups and they're like simpsons pieces of the simpsons faces and stuff um he also is the one who did this ronald mcdonald with french fries oh <laughs> i've seen that um sticker yeah around town i guess that's that's it's like a chippendales design. ronald mcdonald <laughs> yeah anyway yes so art that yeah it anyway so about sometimes art, art can do something visually even though it the eye of the beholder on paper it might not seem like much yeah it, it can affect you even if you it's almost like a placebo you know a placebo can work even if you know it's a placebo art can mm. affect you even if you think that it's bad but then <laughs> suddenly 30 years later you're on a podcast still talking about it so you're like well that fucking blue lines painting was one of the best things she's ever done to me because it's been stuck mm-hmm. in my head. Sure. That's interesting. Hmm. I I looked up the poem that Jim Norton references in this Bored to Death episode. Yeah, what was it? Norton says that it was an Oscar Wilde quote. And it is associated with Oscar Wilde because it came up at Oscar Wilde's trial. Okay. And by the way, there's a very, very funny black adder joke in which they're talking about how good this lawyer is. And mm-hmm. they're saying, he's the one who got Oscar Wilde sent up for, for being gay. Old Butch Oscar, the guy who was all over the ladies. <laughs> they're talking about like Oscar Wilde oh. was a famous womanizer. But this That's guy funny. like successfully got him sent to jail for homosexuality. Um, but anyway, it's a poem by Lord Alfred Douglas. Albert Douglas or Alfred Douglas? Um, anyway, I won't read the whole poem. But it's about a guy who sees two figures walking. One of them is singing joyous love. He's singing songs of joyous love of comely girl and boy. And he's playing the lute and he's wearing roses. And he looks great and he's beautiful. And the other one is walking next to him is sad. He's just sighing, (laughs) all these sighs. He's wearing moonflowers as pale as lips of death. And the speaker, the narrator of the poem says, sweet youth, why are you so sad or whatever? And, um, and the sad one says, uh, my name is love. He says, what, tell me what your name is. The sad one says, my name is love. And the other one says, he lieth for his name is shame. And the second one goes, have thy will. I am the love that dare not speak its name. Oh, so well, the love that dare not figures, speak its name is a common phrase. I didn't know. It, that's that where it comes it came from. from this poem. Yeah, so it came came from this guy who sees two figures walking. One is the personification of heterosexuality, and the other is the personification of, you know, I think today we would say queerness mm-hmm. itself, because it's not necessarily. I mean, I think probably for Lord Dor- Douglas, it was about two boys kissing. I think it's 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 kind of an expansive metaphor, but it's definitely like. Here's the accepted sexuality, and here's the, here's this um, 
the path Every, less taken. Yeah, exactly. So which in the board to death? Diverge in the woods. One of them was <laughs> queer as fuck. Yeah, and in board to death, uh, we see Jim Norton kind of. That's not that's not his character's name, but one of the kidnappers. Is, yeah, they uh, don't name them for real. He's opening up about his his trans attractions and how he feels like. Yeah, he's like there. There isn't even a there isn't even a word for. There isn't even a name for my kind of love or something. Yeah. They're definitely pulling from Jim Norton's actual sort of stand-up mm-hmm. in life. Um, but that's the cool thing about Bored to Death is he makes... Well, in, in a way, all the characters are sort of woke and progressive. They're just all sort mm-hmm. of like trying their best but sort of fumbling through. Yeah. that r- It kind of reminds me of like... Um, the characters on like this fool or our flag means death mm, where there's yeah. like where there's just like this like well we're like we're all in this together and we're all like kind of trying to help each other out like even when people are having conflict mm-hmm. there's a, it, they're quick to be like all right let's stop fighting let's like you know and it, it's always not just because it's a comedy but because there's just like i don't know i can think of some examples from this fool where he's like they're like talking recommending they're talking about uh sciatica oh they both have sciatica <laughs> it, it is it's sort of a cheat because in in the tone of a comedy you don't want your characters to always be in mortal danger but yeah like in our flag means death uh reese darby's character by all <laughs> rights probably would have been slain within 20 minutes of yeah. you know taking a ship out to sea yeah. but they something always comes along to save him <laughs> you know fortuitous circumstance usually the same thing with um, uh jonathan jason swartzman's character in born to death mm-hmm. something always there's always sort of the uh, deus ex machina mm-hmm. in these kind of shows because there's some peril but there's never real peril yeah which is a writing device it it takes you out of it somewhat but it also makes you yeah feel comforted that yeah no one's actually gonna shoot but there are so many shows in the head there are so many shows nowadays where there's just no relief (laughs) from Mm -hmm. violence drama you know a lot of prestige drama but you could even um say like rick and morty Mm. people die all the time including rick and morty and summer and everyone but they're immortal in the sense that now they just have yeah there's infinite thems or clones or there's clones on clones and clones there's universes on universes yeah the emotional stakes don't come from from that anymore they don't come from that kind of like existential risk of like yeah the whole universe is going to be destroyed they haven't you know that's not really where they go there's a lot more like there still are low-level emotional stakes between characters, even though it's like... Yeah, which I think comes from... Yeah. Um, or to bring it to space, to like sci-fi, mm-hmm. the genre is kind of like that, too. Because, you know, in Star Wars, uh, robots and stormtroopers are falling over left and right, but, you know, Han and Leia and Luke <laughs> are just running through bullets, you yeah. know, unscathed. And, and there's Definitely. always sort of a like a writer's mm-hmm. uh hand of god yeah plot uh, armor protecting yeah plot armor this but, is the trope but it's, a hand of god like is the trope name. name but yeah it's like the writer you know the writer's shining down their their godly mm-hmm. light on 
on your main characters. Um, yeah. You know, mm. which is not a real life thing. It's a story thing, but. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Joss Whedon was, became well known for his, for, for his uh, commitment to the idea that anyone can die on his shows at any time. Um, mm-hmm. and, al- and although, yes, over the long run, like some characters who die immediately come back. <laughs> um, there are some characters right. who make epic sacrifices and then the next season is just like, oh, they just came back. Um, oh. <laughs> that happens. That does happen a couple times. Not just Buffy herself. But he, he became known for, you know, there's, there's an episode in season two where he just brutally uh, has a beloved character murdered in a very dramatic way um and it's all it's a love interest of giles and it's done in just like the (laughs) now like we as viewers now looking at the show can be like yeah someone was gonna die he had to do something shocking and kill someone and so like Mm -hmm. she was obviously like the most peripheral character but in the 90s it was like what (laughs) they just killed her what about that actress like she's not gonna she's have a job now (laughs) it was like shocking like we yeah, thought sitcoms nice. were just going to go on forever. They would never age. And you still don't see that very much. Uh, Arrested mm-hmm. Development joked about it. And they're like, one of these characters will die. And they show clips of all the mains. And then one <laughs> random old lady. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the very uh. next episode in the <laughs> opener, it's like, who died? The old lady. You know, they just throw yes. it away. Oh, my God. What was the Simpsons joke? Uh, in the uh, in one of this like uh 38th episode spectacular or something they say which uh which beloved simpsons characters have died in the first <laughs> in the last few years oh yeah they and then say they go if you said like bleeding, bleeding gums, gums murphy and, and somebody else you were wrong they were never beloved <laughs> good joke good joke good joke yeah i think um what have we learned today we've learned a lot about the ways to be a man. Not to just speed and play video games all night. And if your friends don't like the gender that you like, just punch your friends. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> it's okay. I don't know what I meant. <laughs> To be jealous of a Volvo. You should only punch people metaphorically with your art. And not your... I resolved it already. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you still singing? It was resolved. Good resolve again. Okay. All right. This has been BDFM. I've been D. I have been B. You can find us, um, let's see, we're on all your favorite podcast apps. Might be not true, but um, we're on some of them. And you can find us at garage.tv slash BDFM. That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV slash BDFM. We are at BDFM pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. And um, 
What else? This episode brought to you by Spacecraft and Pinball, the pinball arcade game that's available now on iOS and Android. You know, pinball, but in space. Also, this show is also brought to you by uh, Ion Science, the monthly science news show um, with jokes available on garage.tv. It's very funny. And the Garage TV app. That's it. That's all. Check That's all us we have. out on social media to find out what we're watching this week. Or if you have a suggestion for an episode you want us to watch, just close your eyes when you're falling asleep and think really hard about it. Just imagine us talking about that episode and maybe it'll come true. We will hear you because you are in a bell jar just like the Truman Show. Nobody else is real but you. Everything you do we can see. And everything you think is wrong. This has been BDFM. The FM stands for Flax Marmalade. Goodbye. BDFM. Oh.